What is Cafe Mocha? Cafe Mocha is experts, celebrities. What's up? This is Belle Bid DeVoe. Yours truly Idris Elba. This is Fantasia. This is Invo. This is India Ari. Hey, what's up? This is Brandy. Music and features from a woman's perspective. Intriguing conversation. Espresso. The Mocha Mix. So much more. All from a woman's perspective. What flavor are you, baby? This is Cafe Mocha. Hello, I'm Sybil Wilkes of What You Need to Know. Today's special edition of What You Need to Know is brought to you by Cafe Mocha Radio. Today we're going to be talking about caregiving, Alzheimer's, and aging. And we're hoping that we will help you navigate the waters of caregiving and finding new tomorrows. Our very special guest today is Pat Bailey of She Ages Well, and she is also a caregiving coach. Welcome, Pat Bailey. Hey, Sybil. How are you? See, you're a caregiver already. You're just, you're asking. (laughs) (laughs) Much love. (laughs) That is always from you, always from you. Today, as I said, we're going to be talking about caregiving, Alzheimer's, and aging, and finding new tomorrows. Let's talk about um, the state of caregiving in the African-American community, because there's so many facts and figures that we don't know, and and that a lot of people are just learning about uh, in terms of how, how invasive this disease is in the African-American community. Um, and let, let's talk about this. First of all, Pat, as you have noted, there are 6 million cases of Alzheimer's in this country. Yes, absolutely. And it's a really large and staggering numbers because if I go back to the 90s as to when my mother contracted Alzheimer's, there was 5 million. So think about that. In something of how many number of years, there's already mm-hmm. a million. And when we look out toward 2050, we anticipate this going to triple. It is wow. a very good word. Invasive is a very, very, very uh, appropriate word for this condition. And we will, and, and it's for people who are watching, we will give the definitions and, and help people is this, but right now we're talking about just in terms of the numbers, and especially as it affects the African-American community, 2.2 million African-Americans are currently suffering from Alzheimer's? It's it's so staggering, and it's it's really difficult for everybody to kind of wrap their arms around the serious impact as to how it relates to us. And it has everything to do with lifestyle indicators. It has everything to do with choices as well. But it has something to do also with areas outside of our control, i.e. they're now even saying that discrimination in education can also lead to cognitive decline, which leads to Alzheimer's. Yeah. And and so that just kind of boggles the mind, uh, Pat, in terms of the the struggles that our children are having right now in the midst of a pandemic and how that could affect that particular student down the line as as we go through their their adult lives. So in that end, there is a greater movement right now to begin to chronicle just that. There is research studies that are associated primarily with over the age of 65. Um, in that there's about one in three seniors today that die as a result of Alzheimer's. And my mom actually, one in three. And my mom also died as a result of Alzheimer's. And so now there is a move to say, with the early onset that it was seen about 10 years ago with 50 year olds, we need to go back even further. Because you're right, the, 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 
the studies are even begin to touch on as it relates to the African-American community and the subject of stress, generational stress. Mm -hmm. There are things that we have worried about in being in what I think we sometimes have felt something like a predatory state in the United States, right? Right. Mm -hmm. How has that become prevalent in our overall health and well-being? Sure. That's why the word invasive means so much. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we're giving people a lot of numbers. We're talking about 6 million cases of Alzheimer's in the U.S. currently. We're talking about 2.2 million Black Americans who are suffering from Alzheimer's. And here is the, the, the most devastating or, or, or perhaps the most concerning uh, figure. 50% of all African-American households are affected by Alzheimer's. What does that mean and what does that look like? If there were two of us in a room, mm -hmm. one of us impacted by Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. it, is, um, it is just that illuminating. It is, I remember being at an event recently and I asked the question of an audience, um, how, have, how many people in the room have been impacted by Alzheimer's if they would please stand? And the number was very true. 50% mm. of the room stood. Because it's 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 big mama, you know what I'm saying? It's papa, mm -hmm. it's my sister, it's my brother, it's my husband, it's my wife, it's everywhere. And and now as we begin to talk about this, this I don't even want to call it an elephant in a room. It's larger than that. No, it is. It, it really and truly is. It's it's a vortex of of a disease that's without a cure, and it's everywhere. And we're not talking about it as loud as this actually invading our overall lives. And we need to do that within this community. We need to find solutions for our community and on caregiving. So as you have given us these um, devastating but incisive numbers here and talking about 50% of black households affected by or impacted by Alzheimer's, and the, the next thing is where there is Alzheimer's, there's a caregiver. So if 50% of our households, uh, we're, we're still talking about that 2.2 million African-American families affected by this or, or Alzheimer's patients, then you have another 2.2 million of the caregiving variety or area, correct? Absolutely. And the way that you can frame this is this way. Where there is a diagnosis of Alzheimer's for an individual, there's a diagnosis of caregiving for a family. Mm, mm, mm. And that's why the language of household applies in this instance. Mm -hmm. This is not a peer-to-peer or one-to-one scenario. When Alzheimer's takes precedent within our families, it impacts the biological line and lineage of everyone. Mm -hmm. It impacts those that are part of their family that are friends. It affects their cohorts and their girlfriends, right? Right. It affects their church members. It's 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 everywhere and everything. And one of the things that um, I sometimes like to say to people is the same village that was going to be required to care for the child mm -hmm. is going to be required to care for that person as their age from cradle to grace. Yeah. Mm. And we're going to have to wrap our arms around what this means for all of us because 
for those that are suffering in silence, we need to now help them find new tomorrows. It's just that simple. And 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 Pat, uh, as a caregiving coach, and, and you recognize this, uh, per the Alzheimer's Association, over 11 million Americans provide unpaid care for Alzheimer's or other forms of dementia. 11 million Americans? Yes. Yeah, I think it's coming up to be something like... Um, 15.3 billion in unpaid hours, totaling 250, uh, excuse me, let me get that right, $257 billion. So what does that mean? You know, That's a I remember- startling figure. It, it, is, it, is, it is crazy. So you know how we were all so excited? Well, some of us were all so excited. I'll point to me. But I remember my mom, I'm going to retire and I'm going to have my Social Security check. And, right. you know, I'm going to, you know, you can see them sitting outside on the swing, whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. But to retire into a state of Alzheimer's, that's not fair. Right. And we are misinformed. The responsibility of caring for the seniors is a family matter. It is right. not a federal government matter. Right. And that's illuminating. And you don't find that out until later. Can that change? Can that be a, a part of, of a governmental program in order to, or at least to work with the government to make that change and have it be a part of, of uh, taking care of our elderly because it is so predominant now? Since it is so prevalent, there have been major changes that address the subject matter of unpaid hours. Mm -hmm. So through the Department of Health and Human Services, you can actually go online mm -hmm. to what's called DAD or, or Health and Human Services. Mm -hmm. And in that instance, you can look for receiving monies to care for your loved ones. Now, why is that? Because Social Security is not there to do that. It's not going to do it's that. It's the, not. The it's not. That, it's not. It's not. My, mom, my mom's care was $3,300 a month. And and that's just not the whole family. That's just mm -hmm. my check. $3,300 right. a month for two and a half years. So you're absolutely correct. That is not going to be Social Security. But what happens now is the federal government has set up a program that is drilled down at the state level. Mm. And for every state, it's different. And mm. for every state, there is, though, a health and human services department. And within that department, you can actually look up care, caregiving, being paid for caregiving for your loved one. Now you do have you do have to qualify. Everybody sure. just can't run up and just do sign. this. Okay. Yeah. No, yeah. no, because they need to make sure you're trained to take care of an elderly person, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. But they are trying to address it. I think the last number that I saw nationwide, and I, I, I have a sentiment in that it can't possibly be enough. But there was a fund set up approximately some eight to ten years ago, about 150 uh, billion dollars or something like that. I'm going to get that correct and share that with you accurately. Okay. But the bottom line is there is a fund. It's allocated by state. Health and Human Services become a paid caregiver for your loved one. Okay, before we take a break, and, and something that perhaps we should have addressed uh, uh, even a little bit earlier is the definition of a caregiver. And then we'll come back and yeah. talk about that. But a caregiver is, is, as you have defined it, is a family member, paid or unpaid helper who regularly looks after the child, the elderly, or mm -hmm. disabled mm -hmm. person. Yes, that is that is the Merriam-Webster definition of a caregiver. 
Absolutely. Okay, what is the Pat Bailey definition of a caregiver? Oh, gosh, Sybil, that is such a big question. Okay, all right, hold on to that I, then. I'll hold on to it. I'll okay. hold on to it. Hold on to it because I think it's different, obviously. It's different as you look in a Merriam-Webster dictionary as opposed to a person who has gone through this or the people who are going through it now. Yes. Um, everyone's definitions are going to be different, but certainly as one who is a caregiving coach, and one who has been through this and now helps others as they are going through this process. There are different definitions, personal for sure, but different definitions um, as we go through this. So ladies and gentlemen, we are going to take a break, a quick one, and come back, talk about Alzheimer's and perhaps uh, not only caregiving, the Pat Bailey caregiving definition, but also the early signs of Alzheimer's and how we go through this. I'm Sybil Wilkes with What You Need to Know. Caregiving coach, Pat Bailey, as we have said, and we are discussing caregiving, Alzheimer's, and aging and finding new tomorrows. And it's presented by Cafe Mocha Radio. And we will be right back and take a breath, take a beat, and we'll come right back. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a Black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Unky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation, for advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective. We're back. And as we have been discussing caregiving, Alzheimer's and aging, finding new tomorrows of this special edition of What You Need to Know, brought to you by Cafe Mocha Radio. And, and, and Ms. Pat, um, let's talk about the early sign. We'll talk about uh, your definition of caregiving okay. And, okay. and what that looks like to you, as opposed to the, the definitions we find in our dictionaries. The most important thing that I would share on my side is I became the guiding light for my mom. Mm -hmm. I became the advocate for all of her living the rest of the years of her life. And when I tell you the responsibility 
mm-hmm. was staggering because when that switch came on that you are a caregiver, you then recognize what you don't know. Mm-hmm. You have no idea what it takes to care for someone in a disease that you were completely uninformed about. And more importantly, exactly what the stages are going to be, what to anticipate. There is no written plan and you are the lead. You are the quarterback of mom's future. Wow. Complicated. Um, and, and as we know, um, and especially if we've grown up in a household where we have not seen this before, the, that type of caregiving and this new adventure, of course, um, mm-hmm. but the faces of caregiving are also different as well. Uh, it is, as you might expect, uh, more more women than men, correct? Absolutely. They, they actually are saying that the number has got to be somewhere between 60 to 7%, 60 to 75%, excuse me, of all caregiving is done by women. Mm. And it's not just the umbrella of women, it's the fact that these women are also working. Mm. Right. Yeah. And you are, you know, uh, your evidence A, you know? I really truly was. I was, uh, I was that quote unquote uh, senior level executive. I come down to Texas to get this way cool job and I left mom in good care in Chicago. We didn't know she had Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. And the, and the takeaway is that I'm traveling 52 trips a year. Just in terms of, of, of letting people know, because and what you're doing as a caregiving coach, you are demonstrating that you've been through this, but you're also encouraging people to recognize that you're not alone, that, that there are others who are there to help you and that there are resources. And we're going to talk about that. There are solutions, yes. correct, yes. to help yes. you find yes. these new tomorrows. That's correct definite some phenomenal solutions today that were not there for me during my tenure. But I also believe that the direction is the the opportunity of which I want to say thank you, Sybil, so much for giving me this opportunity and to Cafe Mocha Radio, because how do we let people know that they're not alone? Right, right. Yeah, uh, because it does seem like a very a desperate situation when this is first mm-hmm. Uh, entered mm-hmm. into your mm-hmm. your world, your sphere there, and especially when we don't even know what we're dealing with, oftentimes. Yeah. So let's let's talk about the early signs of Alzheimer's and and aging well, as well as memory loss. Uh, uh, <laughs> even those of us, you know, who are aging well, are still experiencing. You know, why did I come in this room? <laughs> I forgot <laughs> why I came in here. Kind of deal. So let's talk about cognitive decline and what it is. So really, you want to look at cognitive decline as a, a memory loss. It is dealing with your critical thinking. It is your problem solving. Mm-hmm. And the way it became prevalent in our instance is mom couldn't balance her checkbook anymore. Mm. And now, she was, what, and that was her area of expertise in, in numbers. She was a bank teller. No way yeah. would a bank teller who had a balance ratio of about over 17 years reach a point in their life where they can't balance a checkbook. Mm. But there are other signs that deal with, I like the part about you saying, hey, I walked in a room, you knew it was a room. I want to (laughs) point that out to you, okay? Yeah. If you didn't know it was a room, it would be a real problem. Mm -hmm. But it's measurable decline associated with even the simple daily living aids such as cooking. Um, It's cleaning. I mentioned money management. And the cooking 
bullying aspect was prevalent. Um, one of the siblings came home one day and mom was actually in this. She was a really pretty good cook. She was actually microwaving a hot dog and ice cream. Mm. You, you know, on some days, uh, some days a hot dog and ice cream ain't a bad combination. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's a, I'm just <laughs> but for your mom, and, and I'm talking as a woman, you know, who uses her stove for books. So, um, but for a gourmet cook, for a woman who is known as the family chef, that exactly. is concerning. Exactly. Now, I'm not going to say that my mom didn't like her ice cream because she did. Obviously, it was there when she needed it. And mm -hmm. obviously, she liked her hot dog. But I tell you what, they didn't fit together. And you can mm -hmm. watch the daily living of a person point out something that's different. Getting lost. Mm -hmm. Getting lost in a car is extremely important to note. Putting things down, and it isn't so much that you left the keys in the refrigerator, mm -hmm. it's that when you open the refrigerator, you didn't recognize that it, that it was your keys anymore. Yeah. It's yeah. little things that add up to mean a lot. And we can talk about the repetitive nature of them saying things over and over again, mm -hmm. and then I'm not understanding why, but it should be a trigger to all of us that when our elderly individuals in our life begin to do that, mm -hmm. and it is not in this instance invasive, but pervasive, it's mm -hmm. constant, right? Let's have a conversation with the doctor. So is it fair to say there are no more good days and bad days, that they are all showing days of decline? Or, no. or, or can there be a mix? There's going to be a mix. Uh, the thing that I would probably opt to say to people more than anything is we don't seem to set up the planning of a well check for our parents and our loved ones. Mm -hmm. it, it's almost as if we let it happen. And we yeah. have an opportunity to recognize now there is this condition called Alzheimer's and it is 50% of African-American households. So let me check on Papa and Big Mama and my sister and my sibling, and let's play some games. Let's make it part of an understanding and also do it within your own self. You have little cognitive things that you can do because your doctors are going to do it for you, but they only touch it usually when you're over the age of 65. Mm -hmm. They'll tell you to draw a clock and make it two o'clock. They'll tell you to count backwards. But I want someone to say to me, so, so tell me again, what were your brother's names? Mm -hmm. And and I'm sorry, what year were they born and their ages? At least give me their ages or who's first, et cetera. This is relevant because in the case of my being a middle child, no, that I know mm -hmm. the ages of my brothers, 18 months apart, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. You need to well check. And this should also start at, at an earlier age um, yeah. because of uh, we're having more early onset Alzheimer's and things like that. But are primary care physicians equipped to have that conversation with us as opposed to those who are gerontologists who, who deals with the care of the elderly? Wow. So that is a large concern that is being discussed more and more the primary care physician having a more active role mm -hmm. in this process. But the other thing is that when we, as women who are the primary caregivers, advocate for ourselves and advocate for a loved one or say, can I go with you this time, mm -hmm. loved one, to the doctor's office and be there so you can bring it to the uh, primary care physician's attention, 
hey, let's talk a little bit about memory because I have Alzheimer's in my family. Mm-hmm. And family yeah. is a really key word in this instance because family can be cousin, mom, aunt. You want to check. And I would say to women, pay attention and start checking around your menopausal time period. I want mm-hmm. the women to begin to recognize cognitive impairment can actually, and I, I, we need to say this, dementia is the umbrella for Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. But they can be cognitive impairment that's related to other diseases and other medications and other conditions. Right. So that discussion, to your earlier point, the primary care physician is the one that refers us to a gerontologist mm-hmm. or refers us to a neurologist, a neurologist. to begin to, yeah. to check it out further. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we've gone off, and, and I've taken you off on this tangent, but I do want to talk about, um, and as you mentioned before, um, the new name game mm. and how uh, these things are, you know, how does this affect us our, and the Alzheimer's patient or the family member? These are different tips and tools that I developed in helping caregivers care for my mom because my mom had to be placed in the care of someone else. I did not mm-hmm. like it, but I'm a marketing person. Mm-hmm. So... How do I get a facility that is uh, culturally not aligned? Mm-hmm. If I were to tell them to play some Brooke Bitten and walk on the wild side, if I was supposed, to, if I was to tell them to BB King, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They would not get that. Okay, they mm-hmm. just would not have understood that. So it became a name game, and I created cues. And oh, these yeah. cues were, yeah, these cues were. They would say they would do things like. Um, so name your children. Mm-hmm. Uh, who are you married to? And let's talk. But don't you do it in a way where it's entertaining. And then the yeah. other two was, Mom, what's your favorite dance? And she was going to tell you every day. It was mm-hmm. a twist. It was a twist. <laughs> so oh. you create a mechanism in which you can talk to your loved one and have a discussion on where they are. But you can also then use that same, these same mechanisms to get others to help care Mm -hmm. and relate to your parent as well. I I think that's really interesting. You talk about your husband's because my mom was married four times. And Mm -hmm. so if she had been in that position, it would not have been difficult naming all four ex-husbands because they all have the same name. But for oh, wow. others of us, so, so, but I like the idea that, you know, we, we make this into this name game that we go along and, and, and try to keep them, you know, keep their minds going as long as they possibly can in order to, you know, and to play this game, but also to keep them and, and keep ourselves up to date on their condition. Can I add one more thing to that, Sybil? Sure. This is a perfect opportunity to get out the family album. Mm-hmm. It is yeah. the perfect time because it isn't where you're trying to uh, necessarily show that there is a deficit in memory. Mm-hmm. But when mom and dad or whoever it is that we think has some cognitive decline are able to look at those pictures and then talk about it, it mm-hmm. lets us all know where we are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful and, and, yeah. and, and necessary. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So, Ms. Pat, let's talk about uh, as, as far as your expertise and, and talking about as a caregiving coach, let's talk about the diagnosis and how we begin this new journey. The journey from, uh, as we were talking about, our primary care physician to the neurologist or to the gerontologist or, or whatever, however that looks. So let's talk about the journey uh, in terms of physician care. 
So in, in my scenario, my mom was, uh, my sister was the one who saw the decline first mm-hmm. and foremost and brought it to our attention. Um, in Chicago, Chicago. And, and, and you Chicago, had moved exactly. by that time. And I had moved by that time. So this was Rush Presbyterian. And what becomes significant is because of their Alzheimer's initiative over the years, the primary care physician that my mom had for some 30 and some odd years, saw, uh, it was brought to their attention. And then she went through the different studies, the neurologists. Now, there are various different types of studies that the uh, neurological team will take uh, to put into play. And some mm-hmm. of it may actually be a brain scan also, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, that could be very well included. And in that instance, the doctors were very good, even in the latter 90s, to bring us all in as a family to give us that diagnosis. Um, now, what does that mean typically? Well, we need to recognize that where the doctors can diagnose the disease and the doctors can also then share, here's the, the recommended medication, caregiving is not a prescription. Mm, mm. Say that again. It's not. It's a condition. And so we left there understanding that mom had Alzheimer's, but we had to quickly figure out who was on first, what were our roles? Oh my gosh, financially, mm-hmm. what does this mean? Where's the best way for her to live? I'm in Dallas now. Right. And I was typically the one who was the caregiver in the family for the siblings, for a mom, et cetera, et cetera. So now what happens? Now there are resources that's available, mind you. And I know we're gonna talk about that, Mm -hmm. but the bottom line is people need to be aware of, and I need to stress this. There are two words I want everybody to own. Even when talking with your primary care physician, there is a concept and a known two words called doctor's orders. And Mm -hmm. if you feel there is a memory loss, you want to then say, I want a referral for a neurologist or gerontologist to be studied for the purpose of Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. And you make that known, if you don't receive that from your primary care physician and you significantly feel there is a decline in your life or someone else's, change primary care physicians. Just like that, that's the necessity. That's the bottom line. That is the bottom line. Yes, absolutely. Um, We're gonna talk about uh, also the, The relationship that, I mean, because every family has a leader. Every family is going to be the one and you're the one, right? But you have to be the leader. You have to be the follow the leader person uh, in an area on a path in which you have no previous experience. And so you are, you're, you're going through this and and with the doctors and and, and along with your family. Um, But, and as you say, uh, the living, where is she going to live? And and medication is also a part of this, isn't it? Yes, it is. It, and medication is big because the medication for some is not really friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, the medication's intense. And it's a trial and error thing too, isn't it? Well, it is, it is also trial and error. And I think the, the large part is people need to understand it's not a cure. Mm, mm, yes. It is literally an opportunity for them to actually maybe suppress the cognitive decline to a certain degree. And it probably is is just there to get your financial Mm. matters in order, to get Mm. things where you can get into a control of what's next. But it's not a cure. There is no cure for Alzheimer's disease. 
And so the various drugs they may very place you on um, that actually deals with the synaptic nerves and keeping them charging, mm -hmm. um, it's temporary. Yeah. It may not last, it may not be affected throughout the duration of the disease. Mom had Alzheimer's for seven years. I can admit that based upon her decline and the times in which she stopped communicating with us, et cetera, we did not continue with those drugs. No, we mm. did not. And, and you, Dr. Pat, made that decision? <laughs> well, you know what's interesting about the concept of doctor's orders? I became that person to read Everything. All the side effects. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and that we when, laugh and, about, but those are real. They're real. I mean, on commercials, and, we always laugh about exactly. how the, the side exactly. effects are worse exactly. than what the, the pill is there to, <laughs> to cure, to help with. So a good example is, I mean, I have to say it, bowel movement. Mm. It was very drying over time. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't as if Mom had already at that time, she had forgotten my name. I had a new name. I was no longer called Pat. Uh, I was called Mama. Things mm. had changed and there was no need for me to continue to have. And I had a conversation with the physician about it. I said, let's talk about where she is within the cognitive order. And then she's gone way past mild. Mm -hmm. And we, you have a discussion. So I didn't take doctor all the way. Yeah, I right. tried to get an understanding uh, because it is in your HIPAA records, et cetera. And we were able to get understandings on what, uh, what to do and what not to do. What I did push back is they prescribed a drug for her that I did not agree with. And mm -hmm. it was to subdue her. And mm -hmm. um, that lasted for three days. And I'm like, I don't mess with me and my mama. Right. So we won't do that. So. Mama and mama at this point. Right? Um, exactly. So I also want to talk about, because in your family, uh, selecting who is going to be the number one caregiver, how that is going to work. Um, I think about, you know, even when my mother was dealing with breast cancer and how I was the only child. I was her only child. And so there was no, you know, okay, I'll take it this time. And because, you know, her friends wanted to help, but I felt that it was, it was my job. You know, those are all kinds of things. And, and, and I think with you as well, uh, in, in just gleaming from what you've been talking about with your family, that there's always going to be that one person who's going to take the lead, but there's also that person who feels that nobody else is really capable. And, and so, how do you relinquish that? Oh my God. So yes, I was that person. <laughs> so yes, I was that person that raised my hand, but also understand that I was that person because I am anal. I also was that person because I was marked by it. Uh, I was mm -hmm. a little girl and my mom audibles, who's going to care for me when I age. And I heard it and said, and you were how old when this, if you can tell that story, because <gasps> I am six trying to go outside to just play some double dutch girl. That's all I wanted to do. And I had my hand on the door, but I knew something was wrong and mom wasn't feeling well. And she audibles when she was laying on the sofa, who's going to care for me when I get old? And I turned and stopped and said, mama, I mean, come on, I'm going to care for you. Oh, wow. um, so, so let's let's mean? go from that little six-year-old and then how do you yeah. build that how do you determine who the backups are who because we know you're taking the lead uh even at six how do you develop that backup system amongst your your friends and and your your siblings because the people who come to you to say that they're going to help 
And then you actually address the subject of how you end up doing it together as a team. My siblings, we came together and we actually took our positions the way we took our positions as siblings, mm. meaning I was the oldest girl. I was the um, I was taking care of my younger sister and brother as they came up. There was 10 years to 12 years difference, respectively. So when they heard me say I got it, who was going to argue with me about it? Mm -hmm. uh, I also was single. Uh, so where my brothers were married. It offers up differences, even though their wives would have stepped in. The question was who I took it. And then we begin to talk about our varying roles. What is that going to look like? And I actually was very clear at times when I need a break. And I have to also understand um, that my mischievous nature did surface on multiple occasions with my siblings to create mm -hmm. engagement and havoc at the same time. Mm -hmm. It was not easy. Yeah. It was easy at all. Yeah, and it and it's it's not an overnight uh, situation or succession no. of things. Now let's talk about let's move beyond family and let's talk legalities. Let's talk legal and financial matters, and also your legal rights, your rights, your mom's rights, and taking care of her. Let's start with the power of attorney uh, and their life and health insurance. So imagine. Your parent is so well organized in their life. And my mom was that person. Mm -hmm. Lee was just a smart cookie. Mm -hmm. But I'm now going to care for an elder person. I didn't know the language of power returning in the construct of another human being. Mm -hmm. So it, and then to understand uh, what type of power of attorney, because there are differences in terms of power of attorney over life, power of attorney over health. And then I need to have a general power of attorney that was associated with her property, et cetera. I didn't have that, but you can't just do the power of attorney. Mm -hmm. You have to also deal with DNR or DR. Well, what is that? Right. Do not resuscitate and do resuscitate. I'm like, I don't want to talk about that right now. Of course. What do you mean? I need to have a conversation. Now, today I have that for myself because as the case with you, Sybil, my son's an only child. Mm-hmm. I don't want him to make that decision for me. Right. So I had to rely on my mom's conversation about how she wanted to be treated. Mm -hmm. Most of us in black families, because of our faith walk, refuse to be a participant in what we think we should do when God's hand is in the process. Mm -hmm. But when you're talking about the medical community, I don't want them to make that decision. Right. I don't want them to be the one that says, hey, she has a cardiac arrest. Do or don't I resuscitate her? And primarily because if something does happen, they are bound to resuscitate her. Mm -hmm. So I have to get that done. Um, it was a very complicated experience of documenting what I understood to be her end of life planning goals. were. Mm -hmm. um, so here it is now. Most black families in America remember the insurance guy showing up every Saturday and your mom and dad, you remember the little book, the little book that they That's would right. sign in, yeah. right? The policy book. Yeah. An insurance checkup helped me understand that there was not going to be monies to bury my mom, even though she had paid in that book since I know for a fact at the age of five and upwards. Mm. So I had to learn about pre-need. There were so many things. 
I had to learn that her care with her social security check really and truly wasn't going to take it very far. Right. But that also, Sybil, helped me understand that at the age of 46, I got a long-term care policy. Mm-hmm. Most people don't even understand today right. that if you are caring for somebody with Alzheimer's, they generally do not fit in a nursing home environment in their initial phases. They usually go, they need to be in a memory care facility. It's private pay. Mm. There so, may be some Medicaid, but. But yeah. Um, and, 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 and we are, you know, uh, the time is just, is not our friend here, but I do want to talk about, so there, there are all these legalities in, in terms of health insurance and, and, and DNRs and, and, and all of these things that you have to work through your wills and your trusts and, and things like that, long-term care, as you've mentioned and insurance and, and what have you. But, um, also this is really interesting to me, developing the new support system. And, and and household help and and and, and how that is yeah. all working together uh, as yeah. we are dealing with with our family member. So we we move past legal, we move past financial, and now there's every day. Mm-hmm. And every day becomes interesting because my mom hid all the silverware mm-hmm. in her day. <laughs> And her daddy's silverware was money. So she put the money up, okay? Uh, okay. Um, daily living age, she was no longer neat. She was mm-hmm. very neat. Her room is junky. Her clothes are down. No, 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 no. In our household, before you went to bed, there was no clothes in the chair. There was no clothes mm-hmm. on the floor. How are we going to help her eat? What is our process? And so through the state, once again, um, the Health and Human Services Department, you can secure care for your parent. And it is dependent upon the overall wealth structure and overall mm-hmm. that can sure. come in anywhere from once, let's see, about five days a week to three times a week to bathe, do some general housekeeping, as well as make meals. But most people don't necessarily know that's available. Uh, a lot of people are aware of Meals on Wheels. Meals on Wheels became a very powerful point. My yeah. mom, in her early phases, though, she was like, hmm, ain't nobody coming up in this house with no food. Mm-mm. Talk Mm-mm. about it. But as a caregiver, mama, I need the food. It's mm-hmm. just she was going to eat it. Does that make sense? Sure. So of course. Those, those are services that are available but the takeaway for me that was probably of a larger concern is finding her a new home. Mm-hmm. That was more complicated. But even in doing that, giving them the cues on the caring for her in that home environment, because this was a black woman in Arlington, Texas, in a facility that had no African-Americans. But right. Right. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. That's a that's a whole nother consideration and certainly one as you're talking about cultural experiences and, and, and growing up and things like that, um, what works for her um, yes. in, in these days. Um, my last question for you, and this is, you know, for somebody who has not gone through this particular, um, just um, on a long distance basis uh, with a family member mm. uh, whose husband was going through this. Um, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a very special edition of what you need to know on caregiving, uh, Alzheimer's and aging and finding new tomorrows. It's been presented by Cafe Mocha Radio 
And uh, please join us on our next edition where we will hear more on caregiving uh, from our coach, Pat Bailey, and also the personal journeys of two other women who will share their stories as well. Thanks for joining us. And I am Sybil Wilkes. Cafe Mocha is a production of Miles Ahead Broadcasting in partnership with Compass Media. Executive producer Sheila Eldridge. For comments, booking, or more information, visit CafeMochaRadio.com. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Unky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation, for advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective. <laughs>